Hey, everybody, you're listening to NC Shop Talk brought to you by NC Carpet Binding. I'm your host, Mal Mayer. If you want to learn from some of the most innovative people in the industry and laugh a ton, then this show is for you. So let's get started. I know what you've all been saying, and I know what you're all still saying. Why has NC taken so long to get a carpet and custom rug guest on the podcast? And rightfully so. It's taken way too long. Could it have been sooner? Sure. Maybe with some more social media involvement from the custom rug and carpet store community, that definitely would have helped. But just get involved. Help us a little bit. Tell us who you'd like to hear from, questions you'd like asked. Give us some feedback, some back and forth on Facebook and Instagram in relation to the podcast. But moving on and moving forward, we definitely came correct on the first one. Today's podcast, we're featuring one of the industry monsters, a tried-and-true, high-end carpet OEM that's known worldwide as a first-class product and organization. This carpet manufacturer has been an industry leader for over 40 years. In this, their primary sectors include broadloom, area rugs, custom area rugs, even lighting and decorative home accessories, which I I didn't even know. Um, Their range is quite vast in not only residential and commercial carpets, but this OEM is also heavily entrenched in the hospitality industry, among others. The company I'm describing and raving about is Norisun. Norisun offers all this and more worldwide. They are a USA-based manufacturer and have been owned and operated by the same family since day one. Today, we welcome in the Director of Broadroom Sales, and National Sales Manager, Don Carlin. Don, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. This is my first podcast, so I'm kind of excited. Great. I'm definitely happy to have you guys. And, um, you know, I've known Don for years, seeing him at Surfaces. And uh, we'll touch on it later, but Nuri Sun's been a client of ours for many years, long before my time. Um, Let's dive right in and let's just let the audience in a little bit on what truly makes Norisan special, essentially from the foundation up, Don. Tell us how you see it. Well, this was a company that was founded by four brothers that had a retail store in Long Island. So we can relate to all of our customers. We started in retail. Um, our, our owners were installing carpet and hardwood and the same that every carpet store and floor covering store does today. And then they found out that they could start selling area rugs and make a whole lot more money on area rugs with no installation involved. So they got more and more involved in area rugs. Most of them came from overseas. And what they found is the styling they were getting from their imports didn't really correspond to what the American public wanted. And they decided, you know, I bet we can do this ourselves. So we may be one of the first North American companies to go overseas, build factories, and start doing business overseas. So today we have uh, five Asian factories, and we recently acquired the Hageman plant in Georgia, and we now have a U.S. manufacturing plant. So So completely worldwide, more so than I even knew. Yeah. And we started off as an area rug company the same machinery or human beings that make area rugs can clearly make wall-to-wall carpets. So we got into the broadloom business. And today we're about 50% wall-to-wall carpet and 50% uh, rugs. And the rugs are sold through a variety of different channels, uh, including big retailers and so forth. And our 
our broadloom collections are sold through carpet stores and and other retailers. Okay. That's kind of where we're at. Just to touch on the relationship between NC Carpet Binding and Nurisun a bit. Nurisun's been a client, like I said, since the, I think since day one. But it's gone beyond that. It's just the parallels are, are mind-blowing. Family business, uh, family ownership on your side is still the same family. On our side is still the same family. I know they had good relationships with my grandfather, uh, really? my Uncle Joe, wow. I didn't my know father, that. Mel, my cousin, Mark. Um, and am I saying it right to the Paycar family? Paycar, yeah. Paycar. Okay, that's how I always said it. Well, you did it right. <laughs> I just I hope I didn't botch that, uh, especially going live here with it. Right. But, um, and the scuttlebutt, uh, in my research, I found out from no matter who I seemingly talk to, is that your employees at Nurisun all rave about the owners, specifically Eric Cornelius and John Cross. They've said that Nurisun is an amazing place to work for and that your ownership treats the employees like family. Yeah, no question. You know, when you join a company, you always wonder whether you've made the right decision. And when I joined seven years ago, one of our um, uh, premier salespeople had a health issue and the company hung in there with her for 18 months. Uh, she wasn't making sales calls, but we kept paying her. Wow. And, and it, you know, I, I thought, you know, what a great thing. Finally, her doctor said, you can't do this anymore. And we, um, we had to part ways with her. But in the meantime, the owners of the company felt strongly enough about her and her ability to use our insurance and so forth that she stayed on board and, and we, you know, we had to cover the territory otherwise for a while. So wow. again, no, tremendous. You know, family, we have a, uh, you know, a Christmas dinner where we invite everybody from across the country and have this beautiful dinner. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah. That's something special. No, it's, right. it's not one or two people either. Right. The guys stressed to me when I spoke to them, when I was trying to dig dirt up on you a little bit, that everyone <laughs> really feels the same way. And that, that's a nice thing to see. That's for sure. Okay, I'm going to steal this segment from uh, ESPN's segment called Did You Know? Did you know that Nurisun sells a line of decorative pillows, lighting, footstools, throws, and even kids' toys? Read the audience in on some of this and where to find all of that. Well, if you go on our website, it's Mina Victory. Uh, that's uh, Mina Pekar's uh, maiden name, and she uh, established this accessory line we are overseas uh, doing all of our manufacturing, and those same locales have opportunities where we can find pillows and throws and all kinds of fun things. If you look around my house, I look like a Nurasan showroom because my wife, if I take her to the, the markets, she'll be buying pillows, and then we'll have another rug and, and so forth. So it's a, it's a, it's a great opportunity and, and wonderful pricing. Most of our customers that may be on this podcast don't get into decorative accessories, but you know, area rugs have become very important to furniture stores, for example. And finished area rugs, we have found that our High Point market and our Las Vegas markets are becoming our most important markets because we meet with furniture store chains and so forth that use uh, area rugs as a decorative accessory. Yeah. And in that same conversation, we can sell them a pillow or a throw or or if you want to get some uh, toys for your for your kids, Mal, call me. They got that, and you got that too. I'm learning. I'm learning all this in my research, trying to be prepared, you know, to put on a good podcast for everybody. And I just thought it was so interesting that they had all of these 
you know, supplemental lines that I had absolutely no idea. And someone yeah. like me should know because we've known them for so long. And, and those of you listening, give us some feedback on the Did You Know segment. And if any of you watch G.I. Joe back in the day, you'll know that knowing is half the battle. Remember that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had to get a little corny and Holy throw that cow. in. And I obviously had that written up. So naturally. It was my favorite cartoon from the 80s. I was a, a bazooka, flint, and snake eyes kid. I so you still them. got the action figures somewhere in a box? I don't. Those are all gone. But oh, I no. dug up, you know, when they re replaying them for a few years. And I, I, you know, found it online and made sure my kids started watching it. And uh, my son was into it for a good, you know, I'd say a good two-year run. Awesome. I just laughed because he liked that better than all the garbage that's on now. Sure. Anyway, Nuri Sun also did you know, has some very fashion-driven, strong brand ambassadors and alliances that include Calvin Klein, Kathy Ireland, and Nicole Curtis from HGTV. Is there anything you could tell us about these relationships, maybe how they developed, a uh, little bit about them, and, and what they do for Nori Sun? Well, we feel like in the retail sector that people can identify with certain brand names. Uh, Nurisan is the premier decorative rug line in North America, but to the everyday consumer, she may not have the same brand awareness as she does of Kathy Ireland. Uh, you know, Kathy has a worldwide brand today, and she actually gets involved in some of the styling and input on, on building those. Uh, the Calvin Klein people have input in what direction they're going as a company. And we design for all of those brands, we design the products they want based on where they're going as a company. So if they're going in an urban direction, we might create a season of urban looks. If they're going in a boho direction, they might go in, in that direction for, for that season. So we do get input from, like I said, from Kathy and and I've got pictures of Kathy because she likes to come and uh, visit our showroom uh, when we're in High Point or, or in Las Vegas. Next time that happens, I'm on the first flight. Exactly. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still remember, I mean, Kathy Island when I was a teenager, and she was actually one of the answers. I'll, I'll ask, you know, some of the guests what their, who their celebrity crush was. And Kathy Island was one of them out of oh, the yeah. first oh, yeah. six or seven guests that I had. Right. So uh, her name's come up more than once. That's pretty impressive. Sure. You know, tell us a little bit about the differential advantages that um, Nori Sun carpet composition may have over some others. We're not trying to, you know, badmouth anyone, but what makes Nori Sun's carpet special? You know, what goes into it from your perspective to separate you guys from, from other mills? Well, we're in the luxury segment, and most of our competitors are essentially international distributors. When we talked about how the company was founded, the one thing we've done differently than a lot of our competitors in the luxury segment is we actually own our factories. They may be overseas, but they're company-owned factories, which means, you know, Alex and the group actually design and direct what is necessary for the U.S. market. We're not sure. going to Czechoslovakia to a carpet manufacturer and saying, I'll take five rolls of those, and there are colors made for the Czechoslovakian market. Frankly, as I said, the reason Nurasan got into the manufacturing business was to better address the North American market and the North American tastes. So while we may be manufactured overseas, there's plenty of input from our end saying, do it this way, do it that way. We've got several proprietary things that we've done in Broadloom that carry over from, from area rugs. So for example, the original area rug was manufactured by perhaps a shepherd 
and he had a flock of sheep he had to take care of during the day, and then at night he'd come home and make a few rows of a handmade rug. The next day, he'd do a couple more rows, but the dye lot wouldn't match, and you get kind of a strie effect, because over the year that it took him to make that rug, there'd be various dye lots. Uh, we developed a way where we can mechanically get that strie, and we offer that strie both in broadloom and on our rugs to give a very authentic antique look. So that's something that's very unique. Uh, we've also developed a 3D hand carving approach that no one in the industry has done. People do hand carving in kind of a pencil carving, but we do hand carving where you have real relief and kind of an embossed look that doesn't exist in the industry either. So we have a number of those type of exclusive things that make us different. I think the biggest difference, of course, is that we have carpet on the shelf. Even to now we have U.S. manufacturing that has quick turnaround, but the products that we bring in from our overseas factories, we've got millions of rugs sitting on the shelf waiting for an order so that we can turn those things very quickly. And I think when we did speak just to... You know, brief you on the podcast. You told me that Nuri Sun has the most finished, if I'm wording this wrong, stop me, most finished rugs available in the nation. That's our guess. I mean, obviously, none of our competitors told well, what they have on the shelf, but we have a bunch of a bunch of rugs sitting there in the millions, uh, waiting waiting for orders. So. Wow! So it's up there, one way or another. Yeah. If right. it's if, if it's not one, it's it's close. Right. All right, let's get a little bit into the meat and the potatoes. I'm going to give you the first question essentially posed to me, uh, well, definitely posed to me by a uh, carpet fabricator, a custom rug artisan. Um, its company actually is Artisan Carpet. So bear with me. I'm just going to read this. And it's really an industry-wide topic, not just specific to Nori Sun, but um, Tim from Artisan Carpet wants to know why carpet backings have changed so much over the years. He said, not too long ago, simpler jute backings were employed. And they were lighter in weight, easier to cut, easier to install. And nowadays, the backings are heavier and tougher to handle. Couple that with the rug sizes being 15-plus footers, what was once a two-man job has become increasingly difficult to handle uh, You know, for two guys. Can you shed some light on the backings and the weight and all everything that uh, that Tim threw out at us? Well, in the luxury segment, most of the products are going to be heavier weight products. So if we're sending you something that's, you know, for example, that 3D hand carving product is a 92-ounce fabric. There isn't any of that in the uh, synthetic business. It's a 92-ounce wool. So naturally, the weight of the product itself is going to be heavy. I'm assuming he's talking about backings and he's talking about tufted carpet. A lot of Neuroson's products are woven and that's a completely different backing activity than tufting. So let's talk about tufting because he's talking about jute backs and so forth. Essentially, in a tufted piece of carpet, you tuft through a primary backing, you apply a latex to glue those uh, yarns in place, and then attach a secondary backing, which is the one that adheres to the tackless strip in the installation. Jute was used for many, many years. It is, is still a viable backing, and, and some manufacturers still use it, especially the ones that want to have a real strong green rating because jute, of course, will fade away in a landfill, uh, whereas synthetics won't. But what has happened in latex is that the latex used to be pure latex, 
Then it started getting uh, mixed with other additives that gave it a firmer, more uh, substantive feel. That's done on purpose. We want the carpet to stay on the tack strip. If you have a flimsy piece of carpet and you stretch it in, if it's flimsy, over time, you'll get rippling and buckling and so forth. Warping, yeah. yeah. I was going to so, say, just from a layman's perspective, the heavier the piles, and the carpets are obviously getting heavier, the more dense. I would just think, unless I'm wrong, you'd have to have a stronger, thicker, not quote-unquote more rigid backing to sustain all that weight. There is, and I think... The other things to look at in when we manufacture wool, we use an enriched latex, which means the wool products that we tuft are going to be stiffer than the equivalent in a nylon or a polyester that our competitors will make. We're primarily focused on natural fibers, wool, and so forth. We do that because wool has a staple length, and if you don't get a good bundle wrap, if you don't get a full penetration of the latex on the back of that carpet, you'll have a fuzzy mess on the front. So by adding an enriched latex, you lock in the, the loose ends of that wool so that it doesn't get all fuzzy over time. Now, naturally, wool does fuzz to a certain degree, but there's a reason that we can, and, and, you know, installers will complain. Why is this stuff so stiff? Why is it running through my, you know, my razor knives are getting dull in a heartbeat? Well, that's part of what we do for the integrity of the carpet. Gotcha. So All right. I, I understand Tim's question, but I don't think it affects the quality of what he's working with. Oh, yeah, no. The quality is definitely not questioned. You know, the guys just, installers want to do it faster, easier, yeah. with, you know, less stress, which, which makes sense. Uh, and the answer was spot on. And then he also mentioned 15 foot. We only do 15 foot in handmade broadloom. We do that because... When you make a handmade product, the rows may not line up. Uh, when you tuft a product, you can get a straight row construction. They can do a cushion back cutter and cut that seam and get a nice straight row. In a human being making it, it's unlikely they'll get a straight row. So by making it 15 foot wide, what we're attempting to do is get the seam out of the room. Right. Less seams. It makes sense. Yeah. I think that was more of just between that and the carpet backing, it's making the product so much heavier. Um, all right, let's take a step back, give you a little bit of a break, but not really, because I, I think you're about to take some, uh, take some unnecessary heat here. But uh, we're going to go into a new NC Shop Talk segment, first of its kind, called When Coworkers Attack. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like any good old school family business that has a tight-knit environment, there's going to be excessive ribbing, roasting, and hazing that goes on. Yes. Oh, boy. So... When I talked to people at your company, this was the most important part of the segment. This is what they were. Did you know that Don does this? Did you know that Don said that? And I said, hold on. I'm trying to find out more about the company so I can ask him competent questions. <laughs> and they go, you have to tell them about this. I said, okay. So so this is more of a true or false. You know, you don't have to elaborate, but they, they wanted to make sure that they got to you a little bit. Uh-huh. Okay. Eric Cornelius told me about some of your restaurant habits. He said... Going to a restaurant with Don, while nice, he will introduce every single solitary person at the table to the server by name, have to know the server's name, and he said nothing short of a background check, you know, <laughs> aspirations, et cetera. Is that true? True or false? Uh, I'm not paying for Eric's meals any longer. That's the last time he gets uh, he gets to write on my credit card. <laughs> That's fine. Um, true, but, but it's true. 
It is true. And I feel like my <laughs> wife gives me a hard time because these new uh, progressive insurance commercials say, stop being your parents. Stop being you your parents. Yes. You're, you're, They're hysterical. That's me. Yeah. They're so good. What I want to know is with all that chatter and extra work, do you at least tip a little bit more? I tip them well. You know, oh, there's boy. upwards of one or two percent. It's, <laughs> yeah. Of course, I hey, tip you're them putting well. Them, you're putting them to extra work. It's got to, there's got to be an end game for them. And, and of course, the whole thing is people appreciate their name. And if you can use their name in a conversation, they appreciate yeah, what you're doing. For sure. So if now. I can call Mildred back over to get me some more sweet tea, then Mildred's all excited. A little better. Definitely. It's the the more personable side. Okay. Next one. Rumor has it that your staff has banned you from handling sharp objects. Apparently in two successive years at Surfaces, recently, the Surfaces show, you cut your hand cutting carpet samples with a simple rug knife. True or false? That's semi-true. Now, first (laughs) of all, it was it was, it, was, it was a box cutter. I was cutting open a roll of carpet to go on the floor. And as I brought the, the thing across, you got this nice scar on my index finger. And I, I said, well, maybe that'll go away. And I was bleeding like crazy. And the people at Surfaces came and got me. And I had to have like 10 stitches in it. So I tried to use some sympathy uh, orders during no. the thing. I, I said, you know, I'm showing some guy from Australia. And he, he gave me that whole, uh, you know, whatever that... Australian uh, actor was, you, you think that's bad? Here's a Russell Crowe? Yeah, he was missing his entire finger. I said, okay, all right. Yeah, I had a friend. I had a friend in, in college that I met, played soccer, uh, just like I did. We hit it off. We're still good friends to this day. And he lost a finger in a um, machine accident. I forget what it was, to be honest. Wow. But um, we nicknamed him Trigger because it was his trigger <laughs> oh, finger. Nice. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> um, and I'm going to give one more. True or false, you fancied yourself the better-looking version of David Cassidy and or perhaps had a crush on David Cassidy. Uh, that's definitely false. There was no crush. But <laughs> my girlfriend in high school wanted to make sure that I parted my hair down the middle just like David Cassidy did. So we took the picture to our my barber when I was you know, 17, 18 years old and said, make it look like this. So yeah. there's that. Yeah. You're a good-looking no guy. Crash. I saw the pictures. Just you yeah. know, the, 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 there's some truth to it. Yeah. Um, okay. Now we're going to dive back into audience question. There's another audience question proposed by Chris King of King Flooring and Colony Rug, coincidentally in Massachusetts. Chris wants to know what type of technical support does Nuri Sun perhaps have for the custom rug and binding workroom slash installer while they're in the middle of fabrication? We have a couple of technical people on staff and we get phone calls all day long and direct them right to it. So Glenn Houghton will help with installation and pattern repeats and how to install a Wilton versus an Axminster versus a tufted piece. Kenny Miles is many, many years of of experience and can help them through how to, you know, hey, the pattern's running off. What should I do? We'll coach them through it. Uh, on a big job where there's a problem, we've put people on an airplane and taken them down to where they need to do to, to resolve an issue. So uh, we would much rather have a phone call from an installer before he takes a knife to the carpet and say, hey, I'm running into this. What should I do? Right. Then cut the carpet and say, yeah, it's all cut up. It's fit in the rooms and I can't make it work. Oh, boy. So, you know, then you got, uh, then you got a serious problem. Yeah. Okay. All they got to do is call customer service and we'll take yeah. care of them. Help. Makes sense. Here's one last question from the audience. Harry from Harry's Carpet Workroom in New Jersey asked, every mill has their own tolerances. 
and most all have the same issue. The seam, the bubble, and the restretch issues are an industry-wide problem. What do you think mills can do during the manufacturing process maybe to eliminate length and width bowing? Well, in tufting, that's where you get bowing and skewing. In weaving, you know, it may skew a little bit in transit, but it's a woven piece of fabric with an exact match. So when you get it there, you need to straighten it. And that's what some of those technical services questions have been. Hey, this thing's out. We tell them what to do and straighten it out. Bowing and skewing are generally a result of gluing that secondary back onto a tufted piece of carpet. And if during the coating process, the center of the roll starts to sag, and then the secondary backing is glued to it, you lock that sag in place. We're skewed where one is ahead of the other. You lock that thing in place. Today, our coders have laser-guided, I don't know what they're called, but laser-guided... Like levels, almost like a leveling process? direct them. So we do the best we can to do that. And then because we're a luxury mill, when we see a product on the inspection table, our inspection tables run a whole lot slower than our commodity counterparts who probably have to do a, a sprint to keep up with it. But we deal with a lot of patterns and we have to be aware of whether there's a bow and skew and we tag them very carefully. And and if there's a challenge, we may repair it before it leaves the room. So uh, we're very aware of those type of things. From a standpoint of restretch, I talked to you about the fact that we use an enriched latex on our product. And that for at least what we do in wool, generally, if it's stretched in with the right power stretcher and put together properly, is going to perform well and not have a restretch problem. Generally, you have a restretch when the latex is not glued well enough together or the secondary back hasn't been properly adhered to the carpet. And so, you know, a year down the road, it gets cold or hot or whatever. And I guess I'd also say that he's in New Jersey. Winters get cold. If you don't acclimate that roll of carpet to the right temperature and stretch it in while the roll is cold sitting in the driveway, there's going to be a restretch and it's not going to be the carpet's fault. That makes sense too. You know, Harry's a pro, but all these, you know, issues are issues that are, you know, industry-wide. It's it's just carpet in general. And, you know, companies like Norison and some others, you know, definitely go the extra mile, you know, on QC, but there's so many factors. It's hard. We, you know, we get all different rugs. People put our binding tape on and it's puckering and, and why? And well, you're, you know, you're putting tape on it and certain tapes and certain backings and certain carpet, it, it's going to happen. And there's tricks. You hold back on the carpet when you bind or you hold back on the tape or you hold back on both to stretch it and then let it go once it passes the needle. So that also, it, this is, these are the things these guys have to deal with. Well, one of the things that we'd like to mention to, you know, to that point, Mal, is we do a lot of fabrication in, in-house, of course, using NC equipment, but, you know, yep. we do a lot of fabrication Thank in-house. You. As a matter of fact, we're at a 24-7 now, three shifts, because we can't keep up with what's happening. The world has gone into hard surface. Hard surface is now a bigger part of the home than soft surface, and 100% of those hard surface floors are getting a rug. So we've got millions of rugs in finished inventory, but our our cut size has probably reduced itself 10 or 12 yards over the last six or seven years, and we fabricate rugs all day long. One of the things I see that happens often, and I'm sure you've run into this, is we sell a seven-foot cut, 
unless that's a teeny tiny master bedroom that's clearly being made into a rug, the dealer fabricates it himself, doesn't pre-shrink the binding, puts it in someone's home, the binding gets wet and shrinks, and the edges curl. Yeah. So, you know, our advice, first of all, we take all of our binding, lay it out on the inspection table, spray it with water, let it shrink overnight so it's pre-shrunk before we put anything onto a rug. Oh, wow. So we avoid those type of things. So it's an extra step. When we fabricate a rug, it isn't just taking a cut and slapping on the binding. First of all, you know, the surging machines you sell us are surging over binding so we don't have any sprouts. Second thing is when we have a pattern carpet, we're very careful to balance the pattern. So the diamond on the left is the same as the diamond on the right. Mm -hmm. So you don't have two different looks. Then for every piece of carpet we make, or we're ready to fabricate, after we make that balanced cut, we lay it face down on a table. We put a couple thousand nails around the edges. We mist water on that. It sits overnight. And it squares itself. And in the morning, we pull out a couple thousand nails, turn it back over, and then send it over to the fabrication department. So, you know, they'll either bind it or surge it, or we even have taught a couple of gals to do hand surging. Hand surging, too. Yeah. Oh, definitely for the extra height, super yeah. high end. And I think you got us a machine that simulates hand surging now, too. So yes. Yeah. yeah. I think you guys too. have a couple of those just with that yeah. super small. I like to call it the minimal edge surger, and you can vary the look with it. But you right. guys are one of the first ones to get one. Yeah, a couple other mills, a couple other big shops that can justify that expense because that's a you know it's an expensive machine. But what it generates, you can charge exponentially more for, which is which is also sure. nice. So if you have that kind of demand, that's a home run. Yeah. This one, can you let us in on maybe something that Nuri Sun is thinking about coming out with? They haven't yet, but it's going to be a product that you're bringing to market soon. Anything that could be like a little teaser or, you know, some, something new and exciting that people can, uh, you know, get ready for. Well, we're always noodling through new ideas. Um, a lot of our uh, competition has widened their range. For example, Shaw is one of the biggest suppliers of laminate today, even though they're a carpet company. You know, are we looking at hard surface? You know, we're considering things like that. Carpet tile, we take a look at it. We're not ready to make that jump yet. We are focused on soft surface and what we're doing there. Our most recent push has been in handmade broadloom carpet. Uh, we've been in the handmade area rug business for many, many years. Uh, matter of fact, Nuri 2000 kind of revolutionized the entire area rug business in, in the year 2000. Uh, and it's a hand-tufted rug. So we've we've been in that business, but we've been reticent to bring it out in Broadloom until we could perfect it. And we've done that now. And our hand-loomed product called Craftworks has really done a tremendous job. And it's only been out really starting in 2020. So we've we've had this introduction starting with COVID and it's it's done extremely well. Well, that was, I mean, that was super informative. I mean, I learned a lot and I hope that, you know, the audience is, were satisfied with the answers. And I mean, they should be, they were clear, concise. And yeah, that, that was great. And I'm really, really happy with all that because I definitely wanted the carpet guys to get something out of kind of what goes on in the background. But, um, you know, in relation to you on the personal side, you told me about your grandchildren. Right. Tell everyone else how many grandkids you have. Well, uh, between our seven kids, we have 15 grandchildren. That's kind of been what Kathy and I have as our job. We've decided that's our purpose in life, <laughs> hang around the grandkids. So As much you know, as possible. You were, 
Yeah, you were asking me what our hobbies is. Our hobbies is yeah. going and seeing the grandkids or taking them somewhere or doing something. Oh, that's awesome. Now, you didn't tell me you had seven kids, so you actually outdid the Brady Bunch with that. Yeah, I guess so. so. boy. <laughs> <laughs> they're all out of the house, though, so they're on their own. Seven. So that must have been a busy, busy, yeah. you know, 20-some-odd-year run. I mean, that's <laughs> that's impressive. Yeah, colleges and things. It's it's a lot of work. Sure. That's a, that's yeah. Don. That's that's impressive. Kudos to you on about a million levels. Right. But, um, hey, I hope you like being on. I hope you had a great time yeah, with it. I I, I did. definitely did. I think you really ought to be in the radio business or something, Mal. You really missed your calling. I know. You know. <laughs> Well, your, your, your voice is right. You, you, you really carry the conversation well. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Just you know, it's just a normal conversation with friends. You know, right. I just recorded one that just went live yesterday with uh, Steve from the Custom Stitching Company. He's one of the world's top trimmers, and it's just like having a conversation with a friend. You know, you, cool. you we have good relationships. It makes it easier. You know, that's pretty normal. I can talk. I can't fix anything with these hands, but I can definitely talk. So, uh, <laughs> so that's good. Well, listen, Nuri Sun. American-owned company, American success story as far as I'm concerned, family-owned from day one. Don Carlin on here, one of their top executives, and we can't thank you enough for being on, Don. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Mal. I had a great time. All right, buddy. Thanks for listening in today, everybody. If you learned something new and liked what you heard, make sure to subscribe for more NC Shop Talk. Do me a favor and help us grow this sucker. Share this show on your social media feeds and with anyone else who'd love to hear it. Thanks for giving us a listen. And until next time, remember to get out there and make it happen.